Winter is upon us. Cold temperatures, snows, ice, sleet, bomb cyclones. We are facing, by the way, also all kinds of threat from our supply chains to inflation, Biden inflation, to not even being able to get basic foods, fresh foods, fresh produce on the shelves. But you can do something to prepare yourself, to prepare your family to be ready for this. Get yourself some long-term storage emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply. And it's not just for emergencies. It can actually help keep your grocery bills lower too. Right now, you can save $50 on a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They are the nation's largest preparedness company and they have millions of well-prepared customers who love their food. The meals in this four-week kit provide over two thousand calories a day to give you the energy you need so you get one for one person one kit per person for your family i would also recommend throw one in the trunk of your car because who knows the next time you're going to get stuck on i-95 when secretary Buttigieg is up there and you can't figure out how to get the uh you know the snow plows out and the salters on the road you get stuck for 40 hours you want to have something or anywhere where you get stuck in the snow you know that you have something for your peace of mind so where do you go preparewithposo.com secure your kit today it doesn't mean by the way that you're being excessive it means you're being smart don't prepare once it happens once it happens it's too late prepare now Go to preparewithposo.com today, preparewithposo.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by TPUSA. Today's stories that we've chosen for you. First up, a new poll out of Rasmussen. Only 31% want U.S. troops to go to combat to defend Ukraine. Next. Liberal Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is set to retire this summer, sparking a ton of drama here in Washington, D.C. We'll break it all down. Third, the United States State Department personnel in China are asking for permission to leave the country over COVID prior to the Olympics kicking off just next week. And then finally, Senator Johnson of Wisconsin voices opposition to family policies. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. You know, it's been really weird watching this story as the war drums in the United States have been banging away for war in Ukraine because it seems like the news media is really interested in this. And by the way, that's liberal media and some of conservative media are also pushing this. Kind of interesting. Pay attention to that. Take names. I know you will. But the question is, who's the actual constituency for this? Yes, of course, Raytheon, the defense contractors, all of these companies really, really want to go to war. They see dollar signs. But is there a constituency here in the United States that says, yes, we need to do this. We totally buy what you guys are selling. We want to go to war to defend the inviolate borders of Ukraine, just, just as Jonathan Feiner, Deputy National Security Advisor, told us yesterday, CNN. Well, the polls are out. Rasmussen, because it's interesting to me, none of the other major polling firms are actually polling this question. Well, if it's so important, the polls should be, I mean, it should be what, like 80-20, 90-10, right? The high 90s, if you're watching CNN, would support this. But interestingly enough, you're not hearing anything about poll numbers. Now let's look at Rasmussen. Only 31% want U.S. troops to defend Ukraine. 
With Russia threatening to invade Ukraine, less than a third of voters want U.S. troops deployed to defend against such an attack. A new telephone survey, an online survey by Rasmus Reports, finds that only 31% of likely U.S. voters think that if Russia attacks Ukraine, U.S. combat troops should be sent to help defend Ukraine. 36% are against sending American troops to Ukraine, while 33% are undecided. Listen to Tulsi Gabbard, right, not a conservative, explain what's going on here. What we have is, unfortunately, Democrats, Republicans, the mainstream media, the Washington elite, essentially, in the pocket of the military-industrial complex. And rather than looking out for what's in the best interests of the American people, our national security, our country, they see dollar signs when they look at Ukraine. They see uh, how they can line their pockets, how they can, you know, look tough, how they can posture themselves in a position where they personally or politically or financially benefit, rather than actually thinking about what are the costs and consequences of these actions and who pays the price. It's the American people and, frankly, yeah. the people of Ukraine. So I think I've got this right. This is actually Russiagate 3.0 now. All right, we've talked about this. We've gone through all of it. We broke down the ethnic distribution in eastern Ukraine. We talked about the fact that people there, uh, some of them speak Russian, consider themselves Russians. You've got villages where 50% of the people think they're Russian, as well as people who also support staying with Ukraine. Right? If this is a complicated, messy border dispute that's been going on for over 30 years now, right, since the fall of the Soviet Union, and a larger regional dispute that's been going back since literally 900 AD. Moscow and Kiev have always been at tensions with each other. And back in 900 AD, by the way, the Kievan Rus, Kiev, was the medieval power. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, Kiev was the medieval power. Moscow was some, you know, podunk, uh, like fur trapping hunting post in the north. Now, obviously, that's changed. But you have to understand the history that it is actually complicated and it's not the way that the Biden administration is placing it. But the other side of this is that the American people are sick of foreign wars. They just saw what happened in Afghanistan. And by the way, President Biden and Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, are out there saying we shouldn't be committing and overcommitting ourselves to getting bogged down in places like this. So explain it to me. You want to get to a war get into a war with Russia in the middle of the winter. I can't think there's any historical precedent for that, can you? Why, you know, Napoleon, Hitler, none of these people had any, Bismarck, none of these people had any, you know, situations where they were trying to go to war with Russia in winter that may have lead to some, I don't know, some understanding for us of what's going on now. But I really don't even think that's what's driving all of this. I think what's driving it is the fact that people here at home know this is the wag the dog strategy. They understand that it isn't in America's core interests. And by the way, you know who said Ukraine isn't part of America's core interests back in 2015? President Barack Obama said that Ukraine is not a national core interest. And people understand that. They see the gas prices on the rise. They see the shelves that are barren. They want fresh produce, they want prices to come down, they want someone to get a hold on inflation. They don't want more war. And that's the bottom line. Well, if you're paying attention to the news recently, you probably heard this, but the backstory of this story actually is the story. And that's what we do here at Human Events Daily. We tell you the backstory of the story. So Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer 
who is seen as a liberal, is considered a liberal, kind of a moderate liberal. Uh, and I only call him a moderate liberal, by the way, because the far left can't stand the guy. He is set to retire. But interestingly enough, it seems like the news leaked before he was planning to make his announcement. Basically, and I think what everybody understands here, is the Biden White House heard that, that, was, that this was going to happen, and then instead of allowing him to wait until he could make the announcement on his terms, they knew, right? They know the wag the dog in Ukraine is completely falling flat on its face. Look, they know internally that there's, only, there's less than 30% approval or support for a war in Ukraine. So they're thinking, what can we do? How do we change the headlines? How do we change the conversation? Boom, Supreme Court pick, right? Because they understood and they saw, by the way, that the way Kavanaugh's appointment in 2018 under the Trump administration really motivated the conservative base. And they know because they're facing elections later this year that they're looking for ways to motivate their base as well. What can they do to try to stem the bleeding that is most likely going to happen, according to every single report and all the polls and all the numbers that we've seen, come this November? Well, it looks like they've decided to set up a Supreme Court fight. And of course, so here's what's going on. So Breyer is set to retire at the end of this Supreme Court term. This is up in the summer. That's when you're going to see a lot of those new, um, those new decisions come out. So Roe v. Wade is gonna come out at that point, uh, probably some stuff on vaccine mandates. Now the affirmative action case, I know we were talking about that earlier, that's not actually going to be decided until next year. So whoever becomes the new Supreme Court pick will be the one that uh, eventually ends up hearing that case and then deciding that case. But here's the real kicker, okay? Here's the real kicker in all of this. We know that it's nominally a 6-3, court right now. Uh, obviously, John Roberts tends to side with the liberals a lot more. So it's really kind of a 5-4 court right now. And of course, this is something, however, though, that still makes conservatives in the majority. Breyer going down as, as one of the liberals is not really going to change the balance of the court. And so, of course, President Biden knows that. His administration knows that. They know it's not really something that's going to change the balance on the bench itself. But, of course, they are going to do everything they can to make it seem like it's very, very important. And of course, Chuck Schumer has told us before the extreme importance of getting these cases. I mean, listen to this guy up there. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. You have unleashed the whirlwind and we will unleash it on you. I mean, this guy's hilarious. So what's crazy to me, though, is that so by, so there's, there's two aspects of this that are absolutely hilarious to me. Number one, when President Biden was running, he committed to saying that he will nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court. However, of course, the problem with that is isn't that basically the exact same argument that people are making under the affirmative action case? That under the 14th Amendment, which calls for due process and which calls for equal protection, then shouldn't it be that there is no race-based or gender-based selection process? Shouldn't it be the best person for the job, right? And I understand, look, I, you know, I, I'm under no illusions of how this country actually runs, and I'm explaining to you uh, each and every day here at Human Events Daily how this country is actually run. But what's amazing to me is that on one hand, they will go along with race-based and gender-based selection processes for this and then not 
pay even any attention to what the actual constitutional amendment, the 14th Amendment, says. And of course, this is all going to come up next year. So like, think about it, right? The person who was chosen through race-based and gender-based process will be on the bench to decide whether or not affirmative action is constitutional. You get how that's a catch-22? Anyway, I thought it was interesting. The whole thing's completely unconstitutional. All these people are corrupt and they don't care about the Constitution anyway. But I digress. It's still interesting to think about. What's really even more interesting to me, though, is that they need a 50-vote threshold in the United States Senate to achieve this. And in doing so, they are going to require the votes of every single one of the Democrats. Now, who are the two Democrats that have been completely abused by the far left over the past six months? Well, that's Senator Kirsten Sinema and Senator Joe Manchin, Arizona and West Virginia. They followed Sinema into a bathroom while she was using the bathroom at a teaching job at ASU. They followed her to a private wedding and were attacking wedding guests and screaming and protesting at this wedding. And you idiots, you absolutely, you absolute idiots who don't understand the difference between checkers and chess. You need their votes. You can't just go scorched earth on them. Do you actually think that Manchin and Cinema are going to go along with one of your radical picks now, especially when they're in states that are by rights uh, purple or, or right leaning? It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So congratulations, Libs. You played yourselves. Manchin and Cinema are going to be the ones who pick the next Supreme Court, not you. We got a nor'easter with blizzard conditions that is hitting in the Northeast this weekend, this very weekend. And that is why you need to stay warm this winter. Look, my family in the DC area, it has been freezing cold. Pretty much every night it drops below 20 degrees. That is cold. We've got kids, we've got uh, my wife's parents live with us. It is cold in our house, right? So we get the heat going, but of course you wanna snuggle up, you wanna be warm. That's why you go to mypillow.com, use promo code POSO, you get the new bedding, you get the blankets, you get the robes, you get the slippers for when you have to walk around. That is the place to go. So stock up now, prepare now before it happens, before the nor'easter hits, before the blizzard conditions, the bomb cyclone, you got all this stuff coming. It's mypillow.com, promo code POSO. This next story, and I just, I, I have to laugh. I just have to laugh reading some of this stuff because it's like, we're here, Human Events Daily. We talk about the CCP Olympics. They're coming up next week. And we ask the question, why are these Olympics going on? We understand why there's going on because it's Xi Jinping's coronation ceremony. They don't make any other sense other than a Xi Jinping's coronation ceremony. All the athletes are going, no boycotts, Western media companies, they're sponsoring it, but they're pretending they're not sponsoring it or they're only running you know, ads within China. We covered the other day at the Wall Street Journal story. But now this one, out of CNN of all places, CNN. The U.S. Embassy in China is asking the State Department if their diplomats can leave over COVID restrictions. The U.S. diplomatic mission in China has formally requested the State Department grant American diplomats authorized departure, allowing them and their families to leave the country in, and amid increasingly strict COVID-19 containment measures. The request, the request has not been approved. China is what, this, this, is, this blows my mind that CNN would talk about this. China is one of the few places in the world still adhering to a zero COVID strategy in which it aims to stamp out all cases within its borders. So what's going on? <laughs> 
So CNN will report this when it's in China, but they don't talk about it when it's anywhere in the West, when it's anywhere in the United States, anywhere within Canada with the truckers you got right now, anywhere in Europe with the mass protests that we're seeing. But listen to CNN when, they, when it comes to China. Since the arrival of Omicron, authorities have seen several outbreaks across the country, prompting local officials to implement required mass testing, strict lockdowns, contact, contact tracing, and new restrictions on movements. In some cities, people caught in SNAP lockdowns have been forced to spend days inside office buildings and shopping malls until everyone inside has tested negative. They're locking you in your office buildings. They're locking you in shopping malls for days in, until one person, until just one person can test negative. They've also set up quarantine camps. We've got video of this along with one of the CCP handlers who's explaining what's going on inside this quarantine camp. Look at this video. So what they're doing in Beijing for the athletes who come in, for the people that are going to be covering this, by the way, ESPN's not sending reporters over, NBC's not sending reporters over, but the people who do come, and we're sending our athletes because we're stupid and because we're kowtowing to the CCP, we're kowtowing to Xi Jinping, chairman for life, come this November. They're putting them in what's called the Beijing Olympics bubble. And it literally is this giant bubble. There's robots that serve the food. There's all these videos going around about this thing. It's one of the most dystopian and draconian things I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, this is what Huxley and Orwell warned us would happen. And Tesla, Nikola Tesla, said the exact same thing. You will live to see man-made horrors beyond your comprehension. That's what we're seeing now. But even within that bubble, which of course is referred to by officials as a closed loop, right? If you're inside the bubble, you get tested, you're vaxxed, everything, you go inside the loop, but then boom, 42 people within the bubble already have tested positive. This thing is getting through. It's getting through their tests. It's a breakthrough. So it's breaking through their vaccinations. They're not going to be able to contain Omicron. That bubble is going to become a super spreader and every single person there is going to come at risk of being infected by this thing. I have no idea why these games are not being delayed the way Japan and Tokyo had to delay their games. Oh wait, I do. It's because Xi Jinping rules the world. So Senator Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin, a, a so-called conservative, was caught on a local interview recently talking about childcare policies. And this is what he had to say. People decide to have families and, and uh, become parents. Uh, that's something you know, they, they need to consider uh, when they make that choice. Uh, I've never really felt it was society's responsibility uh, to take care of other people's children. Now, I got a bone to pick with the senator because this is a situation, and I've said this so many times before, that if I could submit a software upgrade to the conservative movement, you know, like when your phone pushes out an operating system update and you get that notification that says, oh, you have to upgrade, you have to upgrade. This is, this is the software update. It's simply this. If conservatives really want to win the country back and take the country back, you have to do so through supporting family policies. This is so key. And it will obviously work within a generation 
but you've got so many people that are completely opposed to it because, and, and you hear this, and I get into it online if I get into debates or other places, you know, if I'm on stage, I'm getting into a debate where people will say, but what about the GDP? But what about the economy? What about stock prices? What about all these things? What about the people? What about the families? What about the communities? The United States of America has been hollowed out, systemically hollowed out by Western elites getting in bed with the CCP through elite merger but they look at the stock market as the indicator of the economy. They don't look at wages. They don't look at savings. They don't look at any of these things. They don't look at, um, at family creation, wealth formation, home ownership among uh, working class and middle class families. They're not looking at all that. They're looking at the stock market and only the stock market. Well, Poland isn't doing that. Poland, and here's, here's a story out of last December, Poland is launching a new demographic plan based on pro-family policies, not migration. Oh, wait. So you don't actually have to support mass importation of migrants in order to raise your numbers. You could actually just support family policies. Poland's government is preparing a new demographic strategy intended to tackle one of Europe's lowest fertility rates. The program will be based on supporting families and not migration. Speaking to Polsat News, the minister said the plan would soon be adopted. It includes measures to help parents combine work with family life, as well as housing, care, and financial incentives. And it is to help, uh, help Polish families escape the low fertility trap by increasing the birth rate to one that sustains the population. Cited research that shows that 95% of young people in Poland would like to start a family, but noted that this requires stable employment and requires housing. So they're actually looking at a whole of society approach to this thing because they understand that these are the kind of policies they need. We've also seen similar policies in Hungary over this. So whether it be parental care capital, whether it be uh, child benefits, whether it be loans that are then uh, decreased by amount of how many kids you have, right? These are lots of things that we've seen. I interviewed, uh, about two years ago, I interviewed the Hungarian family minister talking about all this stuff. They were even introducing a way for you to get a child care tax credit, a child tax credit, and a credit for buying a larger car, because as your family grows, you might need to get a bigger car. Right? So they're actually looking at all of the different aspects that are required for family formation. You should be able to raise a family on a single income, full stop. If conservatives want to be the movement of the future, and if conservatives want to be the movement that captures not just the right, but also people in the middle, you've got to come to your senses on this. Do not be the party of Wall Street. Do not be the party of the big banks and the big multinationals. Be the party of the people. Support families. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Human Events Daily. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, this is your action-packed, hard-hitting analysis. This is your daily briefing. You listen to this, by the way, if you're like me, you listen to 2X Speed. I go back and listen after I record these things to myself at 2X Speed. And as I'm saying that, I realize that I'm gonna be listening to myself saying that about myself later today, kind of an existential situation. Interesting. Be, <laughs> be the influence agent. Be good, be brief, be gone. Share this out with one of your normie friends. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. January 27th, 1945, the Russian army liberated the Auschwitz death camp near Krakow in Poland, where the Germans had systemically murdered an estimated two million persons, Jews, Poles, gypsies. Remember your history. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.